0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Hi, this is Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine, and welcome to another edition of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank?
0: Good morning, Paul. Doing pretty good.
1: Hey, great. Well, today we're going to discuss uh, budget and policy, and basically some of the trends, some, some of the you know articles that we've run in the magazine and online um, that address budget and policy issues. And I guess, Frank, just to start this off, um, what kind of trends do you currently see in the area of budget and policy and how those have changed over time?
0: You know, where it can be afforded, I'm seeing a, a recovery from that whole defund the police movement and uh governmental agencies at any level whether it was city county state whatever where they tried to cut budget or change how officers operated uh you know two three years ago some as recently as last year but we're seeing they are seeing how that's had a negative impact on the quality of life they've seen the crime rates grow up they've seen prosecutions go down so now we're seeing kind of the the other wave of that frequency you know they, they tried to cut budget now they're trying to add budget so uh, the trends that i'm seeing are increases in budget for training um, for uh, operations or um, new uh, attempts i don't know really the word i'm looking for here we're seeing a lot of new programs being funded where rather than just strictly focusing on law enforcement. They're focusing on mental health responses and supporting people who have been in crisis. And you're seeing crisis teams that are built not only of law enforcement professionals, but with psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, trauma nurses, and all these other folks involved as well. And it's a more kind of holistic approach. We're seeing some budgeting uh, going towards that. And, And that's good to see.
1: So I know we, we talk a lot about how most of the departments in the U.S. are smaller and in rural, rural agencies. Um, how do, when it comes to, you know, budget and policy for those agencies, does it differ from a bigger, say, LAPD or NYPD or even a mid-sized department versus what the smaller departments face?
0: Well, so, I mean, if the agencies are big enough, there there's a lot more line items, obviously. I mean, it, and it, there comes a point where it it you have to be of a certain size for it to really matter. The the five man agency really is only worrying about uh, vehicles, equipment, training, payroll. Uh, you know, insurance. There, there's there's not that that many line items. When you get to a 25 to 50 man agency, and you start seeing investigations being thrown in, or you start seeing community relations or crime prevention and other things thrown in, then you start to see the more line items. I can't imagine what it would be like to be doing the budget for LAPD or New York City PD. You know, I mean, the police budget's got to look like a, a small city's budget when it comes to just all of the different line items and what has to be cut in the different bureaus and everything else. But, you know, the trends are the trends. And the good news is whether it's New York City or whether it's Humboldt, Iowa, um, you know, whether it's 35000 or five, if there's a positive, if there's an increase in the budget, then it can be felt equally by every officer involved. So that's the good news, I guess.
1: I wanted to touch on an article from the uh, March-April issue of Officer Magazine. For the uh, command Q&A feature, we covered budget and management, and I spoke to uh, Petersburg, Virginia Sheriff Vanessa Crawford, who also um, serves as the chair of the board of governors for the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executives Association, yep. and basically we, we talked about um, some of the challenges that they face, and something unique that that they that's a challenge for them is that she's the sheriff of a town that also has a police department. So a lot of the times you're vying for the same uh, funds, same applicant pool um, as the city's police department, and Basically talked she talked a lot about in this podcast is um you know on, on the website and, and within that article. Um, and just talked about the the ability that you really have to connect with um the lawmakers or decision makers within your city, within your jurisdiction. Um, when it comes to purchasing new equipment, when it comes to, you know, getting training, um, you know, things with trying to update your facilities and just really having a good relationship with them and then also you know having that relationship with your with your officers when times can be tough and purse strings can be tight being able to get everybody on the same page and um and and really have everybody come together um so with yeah with smaller departments it is like you said. The bigger departments have so much to worry about as far as line items. With the smart, smaller departments, you do, you know, get more of that face-to-face time um, with the officers and with the the city, you know, leaders. Um, how do you think that that uh, that that's different? And how you know how can leaders of smaller departments and you know, organizations like the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executive Association, like how they can help those departments, how does that play into the whole thing?
0: You know, first I want to address the Small and Rural Law Enforcement Executive Association, S-R-L-E-A, smallrural.org, relatively new organization that's been needed for a long time. When we remember that, you know, roughly 55% of the agencies in this country are 100 officers or less, and they often get neglected I'm glad to see that organization uh, stepping up to represent them and give them a voice. So with that aside, when, when you look at small agencies, sometimes I imagine it's even a bigger challenge as when the big agencies, Um, you know, when you take a small town and everybody knows everybody and you've got a a police chief um, who's trying to get budget. uh, But then you've got city council members who know a couple of the officers and Something is off the wall as an officer goes out and buys a new minivan. Uh, you know, his wife's pregnant. It's their third child, whatever. He goes and buys a new minivan. And it just happens to coincide with a time where the chief, chief is saying, hey, all my officers are underpaid. We need to bring our salaries up to, to uh, you know, a, a standard. Um, and, and then you have this one town council member, city council member, going, wait a minute. You guys are making plenty of money. Dude, you just bought a new minivan. I can't afford a new minivan. Um and, and you get the kind of petty anti minuscule micromanaging stuff. That's really not of value <clears throat> and ends up hurting everybody in the long run. And that's, that's kind of the little stuff you have to deal with, uh, or, or it can actually be big stuff in the little towns with the bigger agencies. I mean, I, I imagine politics play a bigger role in budget than anything else. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, give and take and I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine and it doesn't have any place in public safety when you when you're talking about quality of life items and, and all of public safety is a quality of life item um, you know I, I've, I've had to deal with budgets in smaller agencies agencies under 25 officers and uh, it's truly amazing how personalities can get in the way of simply doing what's right
1: So for the May um, it, for a May online exclusive um, from Chief uh, Bill Harvey, we have a piece called uh, All Leaders on Board that's on the yep. website now and basically talks about his experience joining a medium um, sized county sheriff's office on a command retreat um, and basically what was discussed, what they went over, different things that they covered there. But uh, one of the things that they did was a review of their budget. And basically, you know, everything that goes into what chiefs want, what kind of accessories, what kind of new gadgets and widgets that they want for their, uh, their departments and the ones versus needs and really went into being able to understand the big picture of, you know, when you go to replace an item, um, you know, what, what is the lifespan of it? What is the cost versus lifespan of the new items and just things that, you know, leaders have to take in account um, when it comes to their agencies, because you want to keep everything fresh. You want the, the latest and greatest stuff, but to really know, you know, how long that's going to last um, with, with all the new technology coming out, Frank, like how big of a deal is that for departments not to necessarily, I guess, jump the gun when it comes to replacing stuff or also not to wait too long.
0: Well, and that's always a balancing act. I mean, for instance, when body cameras became all the rage and, and you had politicians and even some police leadership, law enforcement leadership that said, well, yeah, we can get these. I mean, it's only X number of dollars per camera and we can put that in the budget. Um, And, and they didn't consider all of the other attached costs like data storage, uh, software to manage the different videos, to redact the videos, to track evidentiary value of videos or case use or any of those, all those other costs, the manpower time to train, the man manpower time to manage, there's all these hidden costs. And they, they, they didn't really take that into consideration. And, and you need that truly holistic picture. And I, I love Chief Harvey's example of, of personnel. Um, when, you, when you talk to most city council members or town council members, some county people, and you ask them, you know, what's it cost to hire an officer? And they say, well, you know, the starting salary is X and if they've got, you know, experience and we pay them Y. And they don't even think about uh, training them if necessary or equipping them. And when we, when we talk about equipping them, they think, OK, uniforms and a gun belt, gun, radio. Yeah. They don't think about a cruiser. They don't think about all the equipment on the patrol vehicle. Uh, they don't think about tra- you know, the secondary training costs. Everybody talks about, oh, well, academy. We like lateral hires because then we don't have to send them to the academy. But then they forget that when they send one officer to in-service trainings, another officer has to cover that shift. So there's still an additional staff cost, a manpower cost. They don't pay attention to the hidden costs. And uh, Chief Harvey really did a good job of expressing the need to cover everything thoroughly. I mean, and and honestly, that's just so you don't get caught short. Otherwise, you put yourself in a bad position.
1: Yeah, lastly, I just want to touch on uh, Chief Harvey's article from from last year, um, Budget Pitfalls, where he touches on a lot of the things that uh, new leaders, new chiefs and sheriffs face when they join a department. um, From, you know, he talks about branding and how when a new chief or sheriff comes in, There's things that they want to do, putting their thumbprint on a new agency, um, and that, you know, again, that they have to focus on needs versus wants, and they can't do, you know, you can't just go in and do everything you want to do and really have to look at, you know, one from, a, I guess, department morale standpoint, and then also from a budget standpoint, um, what you can actually go in and do. What what have you seen when new, you know, leaders take charge of departments, Frank, uh, some of the mistakes they might make and some of the things that uh, that can be done in the right way?
0: You know, Chief Harvey's probably never experienced this challenge himself. He's probably seen it in some of his command staff. The biggest challenge I've seen uh, when a new leader comes into an agency, new chief of police comes in um, and the biggest challenge is their ego especially if they've never been in a true leadership position before. And you see this all the time with little agencies, agencies that have 10 people or less, and they're looking for a new chief of police. And, and the local county has 20 people retiring across the ranks. Um, and, of course, what salary they're demanding is going to play a role in, in their consideration to be hired. And what you end up with sometimes, excuse me, is you get that, guy who's been a corporal for 30 years and he gets hired because he's willing to work for the least amount he's finally retiring after he's been a corporal for 30 years and now he's going to be chief of police and he comes in and his attitude is i'm the chief i can do whatever i want i can control everything i can tell you what to do or not to do and he hasn't even taken the time to review the general orders or the standard operating procedures or to get to know anybody on the city council, or to talk to the town administrator, whatever. The, he, just, he just comes in with his ego, out of check, needs to be in check. Leadership, you know, Servant leadership begins with some level of humility, and we all, every type A personality has a challenge with humility. Now, setting aside the ego problem. The other problem is biggest assumptions. When you have somebody come from an agency that's got 1,000 people, and they go to an agency that's got 50 people, They're assuming things are going to work the same way, or they're assuming they know how to do it all because they came from such a big agency. They're assuming how things should work based on the level of personnel that they had, that they were working with before. Those assumptions can be very bad. You shoot yourself in the foot. After you get past unnecessary ego and bad assumptions, then you do have to really look at the agency. What are the needs? Because you have this honeymoon period. Every new leader on an agency has roughly two years where the city council, county council, town council, whatever, is going to give them 99% of what they ask for as long as they can justify it in some rational manner. So you've got that two years to really get everything the agency absolutely needs. And then you can add on some of the icing on the cake, some of the, the niceties. Um, you know, Chief Harvey in his article, he talked about branding. Changing a badge, changing a uniform, changing markings on a car. Absolutely is going to happen, but if you make it for a good reason, then it's not personal. It's still putting your mark on the agency, but it's for the benefit of the agency. Accreditation is never a bad thing. He talks about that. Review boards cost money. People seem to forget about that, Uh, but they're a good idea. Um, And task forces, the more you can interact with the agencies around you, the more help you can get from the agencies around you. Uh, Years ago, I helped set up a multi-jurisdictional SWAT team. And uh, again, our biggest challenge was, who were they going to answer to? Because we pulled from eight different small agencies to build a single SWAT team, emergency services team. And um, every chief wanted to have final say, well, you can't have eight bosses. So what we ended up doing was setting up a committee of three. The team leader answered to the committee of three, and the committee of three made the final decisions on, on what would happen, wouldn't happen, uh, budget um, contributions and all that other stuff. And it was, it was kind of a challenge. But at the end of the day, what happened was all those eight agencies worked better together because of the memorandums of understanding and everything else. It ultimately was of benefit.
1: And you know, Frank I, I think uh you know this this discussion was pretty good and gives people a lot to think about when it comes to uh looking at their budgets um w- when you know they they have to approach uh their city and county leaders and when they have to you know talk to their ca- command staff about their budgets. is there anything you wanted to add that we may not have uh talked about so far?
0: you know i I just as an outsider looking in um I served on a ways and means committee and watched plenty of budget discussions and um i it, i would make the observation that some people go into them planning on it being contentious they go in planning an argument at the end of the day that makes it personal um and that's a bad thing to do whether you're the chief whether you're a bureau head whether you're a city council member county council member if you're making it personal you've already lost in your battle to do the right thing and your goal to serve the community best. Chiefs, bureau heads, whatever, should be going into these meetings with a budget planned out, justification for each line item, and then three things. The minimum, the neutral, and the maximum ask. So what's the bare minimum dollar amount I can still function with? If they want to give me less than that, they have to accept a reduction service. City, The councils hate those. Governmental representatives hate those. But there you go. What do we do to remain neutral? If we're just going to keep doing what we're doing today, how much is the the, the dollar amount that we have to have? That's the number that you're okay with. And then what's my maximum ask? If I want to improve, if I want to do this 100%, then what's the dollar amount that I need? And if you're really lucky at the end of the day, you go in, able to justify your position, able to explain what you need and why, and you end up with a number somewhere between neutral and maximum, which means you got an improvement. Then the next budget year, your neutral number includes what you got as an improvement. So so my biggest observation would be don't go into them expecting the battle. Go into them with a professional demeanor, able to justify your ask, and then accept at the end of the day that you're going to get back whatever the, the ruling council gives you, and your job is to function within that. Um, you, you do the battle the best you can to take care of your people and the community that you serve, but at the end of the day, you have what they give you, and you answer to them. If you're appointed. If you're elected, whole different approach and sheriffs have to deal with that, not police chiefs.
1: I'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of the Officer Roll Call podcast. And as as always, if you have any questions, suggestions for us, you can reach us at editors at officer.com
0: and uh, take care and stay safe. Thank you, Paul. Have a great day. Everybody stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.